G'day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, g'day, g'day. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie Pastor. Welcome to our show. Wherever you are in this big, broad, beautiful land, we're glad to have you here. And Hunty. Yeah, g'day listeners. It's so good to be with you guys. I was going to say, I'm glad to have you here too. Glad to have you here too. Hey, mate, do you know what day it is today? Uh, it's the 29th of November. <laughs> Just checking. 2022. It's the 300, I think, 333rd day of the year. <laughs> Good. I'm just checking, you know, that what happened last week. Oh, what happened last well, week? I can't remember. Last week, this day in history was four days out. <laughs> oh, are you sure about that? Well, I think he gave us the 18th, I think, on the 22nd. I'm just wondering whether your memory's working right or... Well, that was one of the finer points that I savoured from last week's program. So. Ah, so we... <laughs> No, I made sure I got it right this week to tell you the truth. Hey, I want to give a shout out to my mate, David, in WA. Glad you've joined us, bud. Thanks for listening. Okay, okay. He's he's probably one of our more regular listeners. He's a he? very faithful, regular listener, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're glad you're here, and um, we've got a great program up today. We're going to talk about Halloween. Um, for most Aussies, I suppose it's a pretty good celebration. Do you do you uh, give the kids, you know, when they come knocking at the door with all their little... Um, no, I've been quite the Grinch when it comes to Halloween my entire life. Oh. Firstly, I was disturbed that it was an American holiday, not an Australian one, so... So you don't, just before you go any further, yeah. you don't, they dress up in all their little costumes and you do not give them a little lolly or something? Oh, lock the gate, turn the lights out, draw the curtains, oh, go out. Oh, dear. Total okay. Grinch, absolute Grinch. Okay, well, and you say, so first it was an American holiday, and it goes... Well, I thought, well, first I thought, I'm not celebrating another silly American holiday. No. I'll, I'll, I'll celebrate any holiday wherever it comes from. Yeah, well, I was young and foolish then. <laughs> <laughs> and when I say celebrate any holiday, I'll take the day off, because I actually have a problem with Halloween. Uh, it might seem just a little thing. Well, you listen to what we've got to share with you today. Yeah, today's and, program is amazing. I had a listen, I had a sneak peek at your Halloween special. Mm. Mm. I like it. Hey, um, what about RC Aussie Pasta? Yes, we've got some questions. We'd love some more. So if you would like to send us your questions, you can text them to us on 0488 or you can email them to us. Ooh, new email address, theaussiepasta at gmail.com. Okay, well I was just wondering whether or not you uh, had that right down. I almost blew it. Are you, are you remembering, your, have you got, did you remember the phone number this week or did it not? I didn't try because you didn't, you didn't poke at me so I thought I'll read it to be sure, to be sure. Okay, okay. Yes. Hey, this day in history, yes. 29th of November, 29th. For those listeners who don't know what Hunty's talking about, I did get the date wrong last week. <laughs> it will never happen again. I Try to learn from those sorts of mistakes. I went back and tried to work out how I did that. I have no idea. I figured it out. What do you reckon? I reckon the day you prepared some of the contents of the program in advance, you put the date on top of that document. Could be. And as you added to it, the document date stayed the same. Could be. Maybe. Could be. Yeah, could yeah. be. Uh, some things that happened in history on this day. This day. I love this little segment. This day in history. Yes. You know why? Because I am into history. And I'm into you history are. big, big time. In 1832... American author Louise May Alcott. Heard of her? Oh. I kind of had, but wasn't sure. She's known for her children's books, especially this one, Little Women. 
Oh, heard of that. Yeah, me too. I yeah. don't, don't ask me what it's about. No, me either. I could have done a little bit of research on this, but I just couldn't be bothered. <laughs> she it's was getting close to Christmas. I, isn't I, it, mate? I know she's famous, and she was born in 1832. Uh, in 1847, I found this really fascinating, and I, I know because I, I look. I'm just guessing you don't know about this because I didn't either. The Sonderbund Civil War in Switzerland. Ever heard of it? Nope. 29th of November, it ended in 1847. It only went for little less than one month. Only 100 people were killed, but it was in my the country of my lineage, or one of them. I mean, yeah. I I'm a real mixture, mate. I'm English and I'm Scottish and I'm Welsh and I'm German. I've got a lot of German in me, and my name Grolleman is Swiss. This is Switzerland. They had a civil war in 1847 between the Protestant cantons mm-hmm. and the Catholic cantons. Yeah. This is the federation. This is the story of the federation of of Switzerland. The Protestant cantons under a general by the name of Dufour, I hope I've said that right, they won the Civil War. I went for less than 30 days, about 100 people were killed, and that's the formation, really, of what we now know as the modern states of Switzerland. In 1924, politician, Shirley Chisholm, American politician, she is the first African-American woman to be elected to U.S. Congress. She was born in 1924. She's not with us now. Mm. But that's significant in American history. First black mm. African-American woman elected to Congress. Quite famous and apparently held a, a very important position for a long, long time. In uh, 1945, the Federal Republic of Yugoslavia was announced. Hang on. What, what, what date? In, in 1945, what did I say? You said Yugoslavia. Yeah, Yugoslavia. The Federal Republic wow. of Yugoslavia was announced in 1945. Huh. Yugoslavia no longer exists. Correct. Oh, that's what I was just trying to think. If that's when it it's started. It's been split up in... Yeah, straight after World War Two. Right. Um, yeah, I've got, uh, seven, I've got seven Croatian friends who used to be in Yugoslavia. Yeah, a partisan, a partisan leader, the partisan leader actually of Yugoslavia or, or, or the, the states of Yugoslavia in World War II, a guy by the name of Tito, at the end of World War II, because the partisans with the Allies and the Russians won the war, he was able to set up this combination of states, Croatia, Serbia, uh, Kosovo, I'm just trying to think, there's a few others, um, and it was formed into a big, powerful European country called Yugoslavia doesn't exist now. 1947 the UN announced the partition of Palestine you know what that's about? No. That's a big one. Mm. That one I did know. Israel and Palestine were partitioned from each other and the UN gave Israel territory for the first time in some 2,000 years to have their own nation state and the Palestinians were left with theirs. Within a few days, Israel was at war with the... It seemed like the entire Arab world. It's an amazing story, actually, how Israel not only defended themselves after 1947, but went on to actually enlarge their borders and probably today one of the more powerful nations. You and me have been there. Mm. And we've seen the tension between the Israelis and the Palestinians. It's very sad. Very. Because they're really brothers and sisters. Um... Abraham, father of both of them, got the same blood running through their veins. Uh, it's a very, very sad situation over there. Um, 1966, Barbados Independence Day. Put that in there for you, Hunty, because you've been to Barbados. I, I ain't. <laughs> um, 1972. Now, this is another one I put in for you. Atari released yes. the first commercially successful video game. And you've played it and oh, so have I. Do you know really? which one it is? Space Invaders? No, but not far off. Oh, Frogger? 
No, but still not far. Oh. Think, think, Hunty, just for a second, because you were in this up to your neck. Oh, dear. Uh, I'm not sure, 1972, would you have been around? I know you're around, but would you have been aware of this? You would have been, I oh, think. for sure. Eight or nine-year-old kid. Yeah, absolutely. Pong. Oh, how cool. Do you remember which one Pong is? I had Pong. No, so we all did. <laughs> I remember. This is the table tennis Annoying game. Annoying little table tennis game. You'd move your bat up or down oh, only. <laughs> and, but you could put the ball against yes. the wall. And, oh, well, that was in 1972. 1981, the sad day, actress um, Natalie Wood drowned. Yeah. That was a sensation back then. 1982, Michael Jackson released Thriller. I really, really thought it was I won't, I won't play it now. No, you can't. You know what he said? Now, I, I bet you didn't know this, but if you go and have a look at that, because I did it, go on to YouTube and have a look at Thriller, the yep. the album, the song. He released the album in 1982. I think the song was released a little bit late. Would they always introduce the album, release the album first, Hunty, and it, then the song later? It, it depends. Sometimes they release songs as teasers for an album. Yeah, well, I, I'm not sure which way it went, but this was the album. But you know what he wrote on the front of the album? What's that? Due to my strong personal convictions, I wish to stress that this film in no way endorses a belief in the occult. Oh, wow. That was from Michael Jackson. Huh. So he knew when he sang, and especially that single Thriller, which is, uh, uh, if you have a look at the video clip, I certainly don't encourage it, but if you have a look at the video clip, it's it's got the undead walking mm-hmm. around and... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's full of occultic symbols, and we're going to look at this in the next few weeks. My, my favourite part of that song was Vincent Price at the end laughing. Do you, do you remember the laugh at the end I, of the song? I do, but it's a pretty spooky laugh. Wasn't yeah, it? but it's Vincent Price. He's a, I don't even know who Vincent oh, Price is. He's, um, at the time, he was the go-to action Hollywood who would play the villains or the the ghosts or okay. the spooks. He was just brilliant. Is he still around? No, no, he couldn't possibly be. <laughs> Yeah. I hope you haven't put the mocker on the poor guy. No, 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 no. He was he was old back then. Well, that's 1982. I can remember being at college in 1980. I started college in 1986, and that song was still big four years later. All the boys used to have it on the dorm floors. They'd all do that kind of moonwalk dance oh, that he yep. does. Yep. Because I could never do that. Never liked the song. Don't like it today. Um, 1997, 28,000 couples, hunty, in Washington, D.C., 28,000 were married in RFK Stadium. Wow. Together at once. Guinness Book Record there, maybe? By Sun Mayon Moon. Oh, I remember that. You've heard of him, Reverend Moon. Yes. Yeah, well, I'm not giving him that that title. No, okay. But that, <laughs> that's what happened. I wonder how many of those marriages are still together today. 19... Statistically, half of them. Well, that was 1997, so you're looking 2007, 17, 18, 19, 20. That's 25 years ago. Hmm. He's, he's gone now, I know that. 2001, on this day, George Harrison of the Beatles died. You know how he died? No. Cancer. Oh. He was only 58. That was in 2001. 2008. Now, here's another one, Hunty. See if you know this guy. John Utzon. Utzon. Sounds like uh, someone from ABBA. Very good. Bjorn Utzon. But he's not. Died, he was 90 on this day in 2008, of a heart attack in his sleep. He designed... (gasps) The Opera House. You got it. I knew you'd know who he was. Yeah, I just breaking my brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I'll tell you what, that caused a sensation, and it wasn't all good news when um, that design for the Opera House came out. I I can't really remember. It was a long time ago, almost before you and me, I think, Hunty. Yep. But it caused a lot of trouble. Now, today, the Sydney Opera House would be one of the great icons of Australia. Absolutely. We have a a lot to thank Jean for. Jan. Jan. Is that how you'd say it? Jan. J-O-R-N. I think that's Jan. Okay. 
Text us if you think I'm wrong. <laughs> oh, quick, where's my phone? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, straight to delete. The last one. <laughs> 2018, George Bush Sr. died. I didn't know that. Hmm. He was uh, first Bush president. He was an Episcopalian, you know that? I don't even know what one of those is. It's, uh, it's a Protestant denomination, religion. Yep. And he was a Episcopalian. He was a churchgoer until the day he died. Love him or dislike him. I think he pretty much was a president before our time. Mm. Uh, I can kind of remember him, but not much. I was young back then, and the last thing I was worrying about was mm, the president of the United States of America. So that's this day in history. Big day, Hunty. Mm. But what makes this day especially good is that you're here with us For sure. on the radio all around Australia, and we're about to talk Jesus. But before we do, I'm going to ask Hunty to pray. Thank you, mate. Um, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I uphold to you today our listeners. They're so precious to us, Lord. I pray that you'll grant them peace and their heart's desires. I pray that you'll bring them closer to you, and I pray that Pastor Lloyd, as he opens the Bible this afternoon, will speak words of wisdom to them from you, Lord. So I pray you'll bless our program this afternoon in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This first song by a guy called Gordon Moat's a beautiful song. Mm. This song encapsulates my relationship with Jesus, I think just about more than any other song I listen to. It's called When Mercy Walked In. Do you know the song, Hunty? Yes. It's a beautiful song. It's talking about how when Jesus comes to you, when you're stuck in your old life and you're burdened down by sin and darkness, you've got habits and stuff you just can't get rid of, when Jesus comes to you, the initial... Meeting with Jesus, that initial coming together, Mm. it's all about mercy, and this song's about Jesus when he comes, mercy walked in. I stood in the courtroom, the judge turned my way. It looks like you're guilty Now what do you say? I spoke up Your Honor I have no defense But that's when Mercy walked in Mercy walked in and pleaded my case, called to the stand, God's saving grace. The blood was presented that covered my sin, forgiven. Just been set free 
again The moment that mercy walked in Oh, mercy walked in And pleaded my case song hunty it's, it's it's and again i really love it because it does really really it 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 describes in a really powerful way what happens when jesus does come to you it is mm. i can remember and i still when i fall down now because we still do hunty mm. i still enjoy that experience of having the mercy of god and, and, and I think the wonderful thing about it is so often you get it and you don't deserve it. That's right. In fact, I don't think I've ever deserved the mercy <laughs> of God. Deserved it. <laughs> but it is a sweet, sweet thing. Hey, we're going to get into some news. This first one's a hard, a hard one for both you and me. Yeah, it is. Um, one of Australia's most high-profile TV doctors. Mm. An Australian of the Year winner, Dr. James Wright, died yesterday. Well, that's his um, stage name. It's actually Dr. John Knight. Yeah, but mm. so our people yes, know. he did. Yeah, he did die yesterday. Yeah, 94. 94 years of age. Mm. He lived a fair life. You knew him. I've worked with him. I, I posted up on my Facebook page one of the greatest men I've ever known. Okay. All right. Um, mm. he, he's a beautiful guy. In fact, my auntie, <laughs> this probably my only claim to fame, my auntie was best friends with his wife. That's nice. Yeah, so yes. I, got, I got to know him a, a little bit, not not. Not extensively, well through the years. Did, but did you ever go to his house? Yeah. Did you ever see what was on the back on the back of the door in the lounge room? No. Uh, I can kind of remember something, but a hundred dollar note pinned to the back of the no, door. I, I would. I didn't notice that at with all. a little with a little notice underneath it that said, "If you need it, take it." Well, lucky I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> Can I read something? This is from one of his really good mates. Yep. Um, his name is Bruce Ferrier. A lot of our listeners in Sydney will know who that is. He's a fairly famous radio disc jockey. He has been for 50 years. Perhaps yeah. the, the oldest living legend when it comes to radio in Sydney there is. This is what he wrote um, just overnight, actually, and he put it out on a little website called Radio Info. And I found this really interesting because I think it encapsulates Dr. John F. Knight, Acker Wright, mm-hmm. this encapsulates his life. So I'm going to read it. Is that mm-hmm. all right? Yes, please. Yeah. Australia's multimedia mercy medic, Dr. James Rice, passed away on Sunday, 27th of November. He was 94 years of age. He, he outlived his wife, actually, Hunty. I buried his wife um, when I was a pastor at Warunga. As a doctor, is unable to use his real name on air, so adopted the name James Wright for his media work. For, and, and by the way, Hunty, we've used him in Aussie Pastor a bit. 
We remember? Have. We have. He was doing some work for yeah. us and, and free. We'd be the only ones, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Although he was a pretty generous man. For as long as he could remember, John put words together. His writing career officially began when he was eight. Did you know that? Wow. With the help of borrowed typewriter, he wrote a short story about a children's church picnic and sent it to the then popular Sunday newspaper, The Sunday Sun. His piece was accepted and printed. He received five shillings. He went on to write his way through high school and university. It was there that he decided to syndicate his work with a newspaper column called Mr. Answerman. Remember, he's only a young fellow when he's doing this. The column was published in newspapers in Hobart, Brisbane, Port Elizabeth and South Africa. He spent summer holidays sitting in the State Library of New South Wales, writing enough copy to get him through the following academic year. Despite John's dreams of being a journalist, he studied medicine at the University of Sydney, where he graduated in 1953. That's before you or me, hunty. Mm. Hmm. He's a very good doctor. He gave me some very, very good advice through the years. I'd like to say I took it, but <laughs> <laughs> that's that's questionable. Um, so he studied university, moved to the New South Wales rural town of Tottenham. Do you know where that is? T-O-T-T-E-N-H-A-M, Tottenham. No. To be the local GP. As the only doctor for over 160 k's, he became obstetrician, surgeon, counsellor, dispensing pharmacist and local vet. <laughs> he had some good stories from those days, so I've listened to a couple of them. <laughs> yep. When he saved enough money to purchase a house, he married his longtime sweetheart, Noreen Weslake. Ah, there you go. And returned to Sydney where he set up his medical practice in Eastwood and North Ride. He worked in his North Ride practice as a family GP until he retired in the mid-1980s. His wife actually was my auntie's best friend. They did nursing together at the Sydney Adventist Hospital. Cool. Throughout his prolific writing career, his medical columns appeared in a range of popular magazines, including, listen to this, Woman's Weekly. I know that's a regular read for you, hunty. Woman's <laughs> Day, Dolly, Cleo, as well as all Australian capital city mastheads, including the Sunday Telegraph, the Melbourne Herald Sun, the Sunday Mail, the Brisbane Sunday Mail, the Sunday Territorian and the Sunday Tasmanian. He wrote 30 books, some of which were translated into numerous languages. His last published published book was his autobiography, Dr. James Wright, The Adventures of a Merry Medic, and it's a good read, Mm. which was published in 2016. He was 80 years of age at the time. Uh, That's about when I started to come into his life, in his late 70s. That's where I got to know him. I was was, um, one of my first assignments uh, when I was 18 and 19. I was working part-time for Channel 9. They sent me out to cover one of his stories. So I got to meet him on a steam train ride from Central Station down to Barrel. And he was just so funny. Every person he walked past, he would he would laugh and smile and tell a joke to. But probably my most prolific memory of him, and probably every guy on the planet in Australia will remember this, because this was thrust into our hands when we were teenagers, a book called What Every Teenage Boy Should Know. Did he write that? He wrote that. Okay, I hope you took good notice of that. <laughs> a, little, a little bit. <laughs> in 1972, he was invited to appear on the Mike Walsh show. You would have known him in those days. That's the show I was filming for. A popular. Mm. Are you dropping names here, Hunty? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a popular lunchtime television program. He quickly became a regular and stayed in the sh- with the show when in 1985 it transferred to Channel 9 and became the Midday Show with Ray Martin. Did you work with them too? Yep. Okay. So at the time I was working at the San Sydney Evanist Hospital and they had a medical segment on the Ray Martin show, which I got to shoot as well. Was that Dr. James Wright? Yep. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
He was a two-year for 18 years until he wrapped up Talkback Radio when show number 876 went to air in July 2005. Wow. We've got a long way to go to catch that. By then, he'd answered over 20,000 questions. Whew. You know, and it goes on, describing the most amazing man. Mm. I think the thing I love about him more than anything else, though, and it comes to it towards the end of this article, was his generosity. Yep. Well, he went out and has built and bought over 400 homes, apartments, Mm -hmm. for people who are not as well off as they could be, who are struggling in retirement so they could live there. And I'd spoken to him about this a number of times. I wish we could get him on and interview him Mm. about this wonderful ministry where he has helped thousands and thousands of people towards the end of their lives have somewhere safe to live. All he charges you is a a quarter of your pension. Yeah, Mm. very, very... Well, I don't know that, so I'm not... (laughs) I don't know that. You do know that, He thought people needed to pay something to to make it feel like it was valuable. So he said, just give me a quarter of your pension and you can live in this beautiful... Gold Coast Department. It was a charitable foundation that he and Noreen established in 1971, actually. And it wasn't just on the Gold Coast, it's in Sydney, mm. too. Mm. Um, and it was basically today they've got um, these foundation houses. There's 400 people in Sydney and the Gold Coast who have somewhere to live because of this man. Yep. And these are people who would be really struggling and doing it hard. And so he used everything he had mm. to bless others. Since 1971 and before. Mm. So what's that, 71, 81, 91, 21? That's 50 years that this man's been housing. It's thousands people. of people have been through those apartments. Yeah. Mm. He was awarded the Order of Australia for it. Mm. Uh, he has four children and their partners, nine grandchildren and their partners and four great-grandchildren. <laughs> so he's he left a legacy. He's left a legacy in his family, who are also beautiful people. Yes. And he's left a legacy in his ministry, his work. And it's not just the medical side of it. It's not just the thousands and thousands of questions he answered, the people he was able to help on both television and radio. It is this legacy. And I, it, it just amazed me of being able to help people find a home at the most vulnerable times in their life mm. who had had it tough and didn't have a lot at the end. Yep. Praise the Lord for the life of John Knight. Yep. And I look forward to seeing him again at the resurrection. Mm. This second one, Hunty, I put this second news story, I put especially for you. Oh. Yeah. Why you should eat rainbow fruit. I'm already a fan of rainbow fruit. What is rainbow fruit? Well, I eat a lot of red, so I love tomato. Yep. Actually, interesting you say that. Tomato's yes. a fruit, isn't it? Oh, that's a great conundrum, that one. Yeah, it is. It's a fruit. Doesn't it defy a few of the rules? No, I just It grows it. on a vine? I just know it's a fruit. Okay. Yeah. It is a fruit, that's right. Yeah, well, grapes grow on vines and they're fruit. That's true. <laughs> what, if they're on a vine, does that make them not fruit or is that, does that just come? <laughs> um, the different colours help you. Pineapples, lemons and squashes help you with your eyesight. I need to eat more of that. Mm. Blueberries and blackberries and eggplant. I forget what they help you with. <laughs> your memory. <laughs> Do you forget all you're playing? No, I'm playing, just playing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, red apples, peppers and tomatoes are high in lice. Lycopene. You say, is that how you say it? Lycopene? I believe so. Okay. Which gives them their radiant red colour and health protecting against... Cancer. And arthritis. 
That's right. That's right. It's an anti-inflammatory. Yeah, mm. yeah. I like foods that are anti-inflammatory. Mm. And and this this news article I saw it was amazing. And the good thing about it is that since we've had a uh, bit of a change in lifestyle, hunting, yes, most of these foods now we eat. You didn't mention garlic. Tell us about garlic. I was hoping you would, but yeah, it's one of it's the white group of foods mm. which are antibiotic, and they. Assist you Anti- in fighting your immune system. Antiviral and sorry, anti- antiviral. Yes. No, and antibacterial. Cool. Yeah. Mm. Um, brown and white fruits they are, which includes what garlic. Is there anything else in there? Potatoes, cauliflower, cauliflowers. Yeah. Isn't it funny how the way God's made fruit and veggies? He's got these different colours. They mm. come out in different seasons. If we were to eat the fruit, grains, nuts and vegetables that God has created that come out in their seasons, we would be a lot healthier. You and me would be a lot healthier, hunty. It's true. So, look, to tell you the truth, I really, really enjoyed reading through that. I did. And it, it, yeah. It just, it, it, it again reminded me, Lloyd, you need to make sure you're eating right. Mm. <laughs> as, I was, as I was chewing down on my lunch, which was only a, a chicken wrap without the chicken. Yeah. Is, is um, that it really? Without no, no, there was chicken in it. Oh. Um, <laughs> I you, get, you get yourself into trouble on radio, I, don't I, you? I noticed there was some lettuce and some cucumber in, and I thought, oh, good, I'm getting a bit of green. <laughs> hey, the next article. Because I reckon you're doing pretty good, actually, Hunter. You've Ooh. been, the last few weeks, yeah, weeks, month. I've been ha- behaving for a couple of weeks now. Yeah, you ha- and you're looking better for it, too, Thanks, to tell you the truth. Yeah. And that's without a whole lot of exercise, too. True. Actually, what do they say? Exercise is 30% and what you eat is 70% of wow. health and... Good to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Apple. Apple. Our favourite company, Apple. Is oh, in, I love Apple. I'm a fanboy. Is in big, big trouble. Not big, big I, trouble. I, I have a love-hate relationship with Apple. No, <laughs> yes. they're in big trouble. There, did you read? Did you read the article? I think that the article is making more of it than it is. But a shortfall of six million iPhone Pros. Why? Because they're made in China. Why? Because China is spiraling with COVID, mm. and they have these really strict rules over there. That if you've got COVID, you're staying home. Or if a city has one yep. or two, yep, they'll lock down the whole city. What have they got? Forty thousand. They've, they've locked down the factory. It's two hundred thousand workers, and it's on lockdown. And so they can't get their phones out. They, people can't get in or out of the factory. That's right. Mm. Oh, what? Uh, they're not in the factory, are they? There are some living in the factory. What, because they can't go home? Yeah. Wow. They're very upset about the conditions and what's going on. And rightly so. I thought they'd all fled the factory. Well, many have broken out against the police barriers and the police containment lines. Have broken I out know you and home. me would be leading the charge on that. You know it. You're not going <laughs> to keep us two claustrophobic <laughs> boys in the factory. No matter what, we'll risk That's life it. and limb to get out of that factory. I'm looking forward to my new iPhone 14 Pro Max. So when are you going to get that? Well, that's the factory to make them in. Well, when are you going to get that? Yeah, it's a very good question. Have you got a plan to get one? Yes. Can I have your old ones? Well, that's, that is the plan. <laughs> Just to give you an idea, Hunt, these are grandfathered. Hunty's running around with an iPhone 13 Pro Max, and I've got an iPhone 7. Yeah, if, if that. So, so figure that. <laughs> your iPhone 7 looks like a, a thong that's done a thousand miles. It's struggling. <laughs> it's starting to drop me out when I'm. Do you know how much I reckon Apple are losing a week because they can't get these a iPhones out? Billion US. No more. One point five billion. That's one point five billion Aussie. Um, yes. I, I want to correct that. I know you desperately do. <laughs> but I just can't get that info. But I'm, I'm going to dig in like a tick. I'm digging in like a tick on yeah, this. It's I'm, a billion US. Oh, I hope it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, it's a lot of money. And, and what's happening is their price on the share market's dropping. Yeah, it has. It's yeah. dropped a few points already. 
So it's just another one of these things that's happening, showing us that the world we live in is really unstable. Uh, and it is. Mm. It's really unstable. And I think when we lose people who are precious to us, like Dr. Knight, um, when we see the struggles that companies are having today just to keep afloat financially, what it never used to have. Yep. You look at the uncertainty in our world, it makes you want to look up. It wants you to remember that Jesus is going to come soon. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I like that Apple News story, and I just wish I could have found that figure, whether it's US or... I'm going back there, you know that, in the next break. In the next song. <laughs> uh, this song's a beautiful song. It's the Gaither Vocal Band. Yep. Band. Yep. Gaither Vocal Band. One of my favourite bands, actually. Probably not your style, No, is it? one of my favourite, too. Oh, you like them, do you? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. It's quality music. The interesting thing about Hunty and Me is we often don't have much crossover, do we, with our music tastes? Or um, do you think we do? That's true, but probably don't. But we did at one point. Back in the days of Queen and uh, and, the, and the other music we used to listen to. I'm glad to have given that stuff up. <laughs> yep. I'm going to talk about that on radio one day, why I did too. Yep. And there's some pretty good reasons for, for it. For sure. This beautiful song, Let It Start Me, it's talking about, hey, if there's going to be a revival, if Jesus is going to come, if the Holy Spirit's going to break out in your area, whether it be your church, whether it be in your home, home's a big one, then it needs to start. We need to let the Holy Spirit, we need to let Jesus start in me. I think you'll enjoy this one. There's a dawn arising on a brand new day There's a strong wind stirring Across the ancient grave There's a voice that's calling Will you be set free? There's a change a-coming Let it start in me let it start in me Let it start in me There's a change a-coming Let it start in me There's a fire that's burning Sweeping across this land There's a heat Consuming every evil plan There is gold emerging from refining flame There's a diamond sparkling where there was a shame
There's a storm of ruin There's the sound of rain When the thunder's rumbling Cross the thirsty plain Let it start in me, let it start in me, there's a change a-coming, let it start in me. Powerful voices. Mm. Great song. Um, talking about the joy of having Jesus come to you and the importance of allowing it to start in you. If it's going to start somewhere, it needs to start in you. I often hear people complain to me, especially when they're in little churches, they go, oh, the church can be so boring. I don't feel anything there. There's no sense of God. I don't like the pastor. <laughs> I'm a pastor. <laughs> I've had that said at me plenty of times. It doesn't matter. That's not what walking with Jesus is about. It's about inviting him into your heart. And when you pray that prayer, Jesus, come into my heart. Here I am, I'm a sinner. Come in. It starts in you. And he will send the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, who will come into your heart. It is a supernatural, powerful, incredible miracle. And that's what that story, that's what that beautiful song was about. Let it start in me. And if it's got to start somewhere, let it start in me. You want a revival in church? Let it start in you. You want to see your home and your family turn around? Let Jesus start in you. Yep. You're the one under conviction. You're the one listening to the radio program today. God brought you here. Let it start in you. Mm, you be the change. Yeah, it's a, it's a, but you can only be the change if you allow Jesus in, and then Jesus is the change. It's such a supernatural, wonderful experience, Hunty. Mm. Now, Halloween. What do you know about Halloween? Um, I looked into it, um, just only recently actually, and decided it wasn't for me because of its connections to what I believe are dark forces, the occult, and Satan and evil. Do you know much about where it came from? I, I, I did Google it, but I'm, I'm sure you've got good information Christian, for me. <laughs> that's Hunty, that's Hunty balking out here. Christian or non-Christian background? Uh, Hallows. I think it was something to do with, with Christianity. Catholic. Yeah. It has a Catholic, a Roman, not a Protestant, yeah. a Roman Catholic background. And what it was, 
initially, and it's got a long history actually in the Catholic Church, it started off as a day where people would go and pray for the dead. dead. And so they go to cemeteries, and now it's a bit ghoulish to go and pray for the dead. uh, By the way, it's a waste of time to go and pray for the dead. Yep. Hunty, yes. Can I get you to look a Bible text up, or is that putting too much no, no, pressure? I have. Uh, this has just come across my head right that. now. Yep. Uh, I just want to share with you why it is a waste of time to pray for the dead. And yep. Then we're going to go Ecclesiastes chapter nine. Ones we always go to these ones, verse five, six, and ten. Have I put too much no, pressure no, on no, you? Hunty? No, no. Got this it is why. Got it. And when I say, uh, some people say, well, um, Halloween has a Christian tradition, or no, it doesn't really. It has a Catholic tradition. I'm not saying Catholic's not Christian either, but it's specifically Catholic, where um, Catholics would go, and they still do, I think, Hunty. Maybe if you're a Catholic, you can correct me on that. Yep. Um, how would you correct me? Well, you can just text us or email us, 04-0488-880851, or email theaussiepasta at gmail.com. I'd be interested to hear if some Catholics out there correct yeah, me on too. this, because I'm only yep. just going off research that I've done on this. But it is a time where Catholics go and, and, and pray for the dead. Yep. Now, I'll, t- I'll show you why, just yep. briefly, that's a waste of time. Ecclesiastes 9, 5, and 6, and verse 10. So those three verses, 5, 6, and then verse 10. Yep. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. Bang, stop, kaboom. Bang. It is, it is bang, isn't it? The dead know nothing. What do they know? Nothing. I know you're going and praying for them because they know nothing. That's why life is so important. Right now, you make decision for or against Christ. You're making that decision now. After death, it's too late. You know nothing. Go on. Yep. For, sorry, they know nothing. They have no further reward, and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. And verse 10. Verse 10, yes. So that's, that's just reinforcing again. The dead know nothing. Nothing. I know this is a bit tough for people. Yeah. Especially when you think, oh, after I die, I go to heaven yep. or I go to hell. Yep. By the way, and we need to do this, hunting on this radio program. There's no such thing as an eternal hell in the Bible. Mm. Praise God for that, too. Amen. But that's another subject for another time. Yep. What I'm trying to show you here is the dead know nothing. So if the dead know nothing, well, Halloween, All Saints Day, Hallow Day is pretty much a waste of time if you're going mm, to pray mm. for them because they're dead. They're gone. They're finished. Anything they do under the sun, no longer. Go, Auntie. Okay, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. That's a clangor, isn't it? Bang. The place of the dead where you're going, you going there, Hunty? Yep. Me too, sooner or later. Yep. There's no what? Just remind us. What the Bible say? There's, there's no what? There's no work. Okay, there's no work there, yep. There's no planning. There's no planning there. No yet. knowledge or wisdom. No knowledge or wisdom. There's no. There's nothing. No, there's nothing. Nothing. Praise God, there'll be a resurrection. For the uh, dead know nothing. There'll be a resurrection. It's another story. Yes, a beautiful story. So this whole, and I put inverted column, uh, 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 inverted commas, uh, commas. This whole festival where we go and pray for the dead is based on a theological misunderstanding. Mm, yep. That after death, you either go to heaven or hell. So you can still, and and if that happens, of course you could pray for people. Yep. But it doesn't happen. The Bible says the dead know nothing. And by the way, all the way through the Bible, and increasingly Mm. more and more Christians are, not just Seventh day Adventists, which I am, more and more Christians are discovering this truth that after you die, you go into an unconscious sleep, then Jesus comes as resurrection and eternal life. Mm. Beautiful story. So back to Halloween. You've got this festival that has some Christian roots 
Tell us about what you saw when you went. We're in LA mm. quite a while ago now. We haven't been to America for a while, Hunty. We haven't. COVID and everything. I don't know whether we'll ever go again the way the dollar is. It's <laughs> terrible. Fair go. Well, you bought something the other day for $100, did you? And it cost 140 oh, or yes. something like that? Yes, horrible. Awful. Yeah. Anyway. So anyway, I was in, um, I was in Hollywood uh, one um, Halloween and I decided there that... Was th- there was three of us there. There was you, yep. Erica and, and me. yourself, yep. Our little team. Yep. And we were in ha- there in Halloween, weren't we? That's right. And everyone else was going to bed, and what do you decide? Well, I'd not actually had ex- experienced a real American Halloween, and I thought we could use some, some footage for our video ministry, so I thought I'd grab my camera and I'd go for a walk. So I went into the big street parties in, in Hollywood and around Los Angeles just to get a feel got for it. Got home at about 5am. <laughs> <laughs> it was an eye-opening experience. What did you see? Uh, people dressed up as, as ghosts and demons and spooks and, and the undead and zombies. So here you got this Christian festival that sometime, somehow morphed into that. And it was worse than that because after I saw the ghosts and the, the zombies and the undead, then there's the people trying to to be um, overtly sexual in short skirts and, and, you know, goths and wizards and prostitutes and harlots and, and there's flesh everywhere. And I honestly felt creeped out the whole evening. And you got some footage that we've used since. I did. <laughs> This is what happens. This, again, in inverted commas, Christian festival. Again, we've looked at the fact that it's not really Christian. Well, it's not biblical. It came under the influence of the Celts and their pagan practices. So what happens is Celtic occultic practices, you're with me? When I say occultic, I mean demonic yep spiritualism, if you know what that is, witches, wizards, all that stuff. Those Celtic occultic practices were mixed with the practices of, and they were false practices of the church at that time, and we have developed into a festival that now not only the Christian church has grabbed a hold of, but the spiritualism, the the occult spiritualism, the Church of Satan, all these demonic groups and causes have got a hold of it too. And actually Halloween is the biggest celebration amongst people who are into the occult of any festival out there. Did you know that? I did not. It is. It is their number one celebration. I want you to listen to this uh, person here who come out of the occult, who was steeped in the occult, who was born into the occult, who escaped the occult and what they have to f- say about Halloween, I think you might find it interesting and I think our listeners might too. You ready to go, Auntie? Thank you. Well, should Christians celebrate Halloween? Some believe it can be taken back like other holidays, but a former Satanist who is now a pastor says, no, Christians should not celebrate it. I recently caught it with John Ramirez and he had a strong warning for believers. Tell us a little bit about where you were in relation to Satanism and worshipping the devil? Well, at 25 years, uh, 8 years old, boy, little boy, 8 years old, demon church, learned being trained by high-ranked devil worship with warlock and spiritual witches, turning me to uh, know how to take over territory, demonic, demonic contract, demonic, different demon territory, demons, principalities, first, second heaven. 
I was being trained all the way to the age of 35, sold my soul to the devil, got married in Halloween, had a demonic wedding in Halloween. I baptized my daughter to the dark side at the age of 11. So that was my whole entire life. I mean, I, I breathed, ate, and slept witchcraft. Astral projecting. I will astral project over region, leave my body, astral project, curse the region, because if I can curse the region, I can capture the people. Knowing what you came from and what you used to do, you're pretty um, discouraged that you see Christians celebrating Halloween. Why? I, 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 I don't know how you can cheat on God. I don't know how you can cheat on the Lord Jesus Christ because I don't see Satan as coming on Good Friday and coming and hanging out with us, right? You know, I come out in Halloween and had a demonic wedding. Why would you put your kids, your family, why would you put your purpose, your destiny, why would you put your whole eternity in a demonic altar? Well, people say it's just fun, candy, kids are having costumes on. But well, you well, said it's much more. It, 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 the candy, you know, I, 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 shared, I, I never shared this before, but this candy, people from different walks of life pray over these candies. Witchcraft, they pray over the candies. You knock on people's door, you don't know the person that you knock on door, she's a witch. Okay, you don't know she's a witch, she's doing Wicca, she's practicing New Age, and you knock on her door and you come in, in you come in, in in legal rights of this witch or this wall, or this person's practicing this stuff, giving you this kind of candy. Mm -hmm. Now you're taking that stuff home, you put that stuff into your body. Mm -hmm. Amen? And on top of that, and in, in, in top of that, I'm Tom Levine, set. Out of his mouth, you know, he, he, used to, he, he was the ruler of the Church of Satan, mm -hmm. right? Out of his mouth, he said, I want to thank every Christian parent for allowing their child to celebrate Halloween one time a year, the devil's holiday. And it took Adam and Eve to lose everything because of one mistake. Mm. It took Esau one, one circumstance to lose his birthrights. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So why would, you, why would you bring that kind of curse into your house and curse your family from three to four generations? So when your kids is five and you think it's cool, you dress them up. Once you put a costume on someone, see the, the the trick of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They were made in the image of God. They were made in God's perfect image, right? The devil tricked them with sin and changed their identity. Yeah. And once you put the costume on the kid, I don't care if you dress them up as Noah. I don't care if you dress them up as Abraham. Once you put this costume on Halloween, the the birthright of Halloween, you're changing your kid's identity. The purpose of the wow. destiny has been canceled unless you renounce it and bring it back. Wow. That is the trick of the devil. Now, now that you're sharing, and you share this everywhere you go. Everywhere you're, I go, I'm not afraid. I mean, I'm not, politi I'm not politically correct. I'd rather be right with God. You'd be mad with me, but at least you'll make heaven. Yes. You know, I mean, churches sometimes they get mad. They get mad with me. They get, oh, why are you saying that? Why are you talking that way? But well, how should I talk? If I, I, my, God told me to speak the truth. You know, Amen. I'm just a mailman. Amen. Now that you're a Christian, you're actually a minister of the gospel now. Amen, yes. Um, you said that you're now in a season where in your life where you're saying, I want to pay the enemy back for all the darkness. Oh, every, that 25 years and plus. You know, I, I, I've gone to places that people manifest, the manifestations of demons, people casting out demons, healing, healing the people. I mean, I'm living in a place today of the church of the Book of Acts. The powerful church, that church that came out of the upper room. Amen. You know, that's where I'm living. People saying, "Sir, I was just talking to a, another sister. I was saying this Muslim lady came up to the altar. She had four day cancer. She was a Muslim. She renounced Islam. She renounced uh, the situation. She accepted Jesus. She went to the doctor. No trace of cancer. That's the God that I know. God. That is the Jesus Christ I know. He's the same. I, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. For There's people that have come from the occult practices. You know, I've been in the occult. I did Ouija board. I did this. I, I, uh, I, I, I did. Uh, I, I, I practiced. 
wicca i practice new age you know manifestation people set free and you see the transformation in their face you see the love of jesus christ wrap around them i mean how much that is priceless i don't mind paying the price i'm going to do that until god call me home and when i leave my sister listen to me carefully when i leave this world i'll make jesus christ proud Amen. and heaven will rejoice hell will rejoice because i left the battlefield Amen. I play for keeps. Amen. Amen. I play for keeps. Give the devil a perm. That's right. <laughs> John Ramirez. Man. Thank you so much thank for you. taking God the time you. to talk thank with you us so today. Much. God bless you. John, um, come out of the occult. Yeah. It's easy for us who have never been into the occult. You've never been into it, Hunty. No, no. I've never been into it. It's easy for us to make judgments on these people who come from this sort of lifestyle and say, oh, that's not real. It, he, he's, he's a bit fanatical on that. What's the big deal of dressing your kids up or celebrating just yeah. a, another fun day? The thing is, when it comes to the occult and when it comes to the, the devil and the demons, you can't fool with them. Mm. The fact that they've even been able to infiltrate this, again, inverted commas, Christian festival is evidence that... It never was what God wanted the church to do anyway. And by the way, if you're going to be a Christian, go and find what the Bible says to say on everything and anything, and you will not find Halloween in the Bible anywhere. No. So when we set up these different festivals and celebrations, and they're not Bible-based within the paradigm, within the boundaries of Christianity, and it's not biblical, it's not what God or Jesus has asked us to do, we put ourselves in great danger. Mm. And then when we add occultic influences to it, bringing in the undead, the zombies, the witches and the wizards and the ghouls, the spells and all this other stuff mm. that you saw when you were walking on the streets of Hollywood. Mm. There's nothing Christian about that night. I, I could almost feel, I almost felt an evil presence. I think you can feel it. Mm. Um, you bring that in and you marry it to what's supposed to be a Christian festival which has no biblical background well yeah. all you're going to get is trouble 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 because you're opening up i'm a big believer that when, when we are born as human beings whether born christian or not we are born with what i'd call natural defenses against the demons and demon possession mm -hmm. but we can open up our mind to demon possession when i talk about demon possession i'm talking about direct influence from demons where they come into your head into your mind and into your body you can do it by certain practices hunting do you know what they are I, i've only found two or three of them no. um what's that actually i did listen to what they said in that interview about partaking of food that's been blessed and prayed over by evil spirits and i thought that might be a way of getting in i'm not familiar with that could be doesn't the bible say don't eat food that's been blessed by other gods uh that's that's a good question for us. Okay, I'll just be faster. I should write my own question today. Yeah. Uh, 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 and, and it's complex, that one. Sorry about that. Paul actually says doesn't matter where your food comes from. If you ask God to bless it, you're going to be okay. Oh, good. However, um, a couple of ways I've, I've seen demons come into people's lives in a very real physical way. I mean, we're all come under pressure from demons at some time or another. That's what temptation is. Yep. Um couple of ways. I'm going to cough. Is that all right? Yeah, I'm, I was thinking maybe music and I was thinking maybe movies yeah, and what you want let through your eyes. Definitely music, media. It's eyes and ears. So, so that's why it's dangerous, and we're going to look at this more in the next couple of weeks. We're not finished with this subject. Yep. That's why it's dangerous to, to go and watch. And, and people say, oh, Lord, you've been extreme. Look, you can say that until you're on the... Fr you, you can say that and, and you can say, oh, you're, you're lifting this beyond what 
it needs to be lifted. You can say that until you go on to the front line, Hunty. Yes. And I've been on the front line and I've seen what demon possession does. Yes. I've seen how powerful it is. I've seen how scary it is. So you can say that. But when you're going to the movies, the last thing you want to do is go to anything that's got anything to do with the occult. Because you're right. Movies. Music. I think actually I read something that music actually has a way of bypassing the frontal filtering part of your brain. Mm. And so song words and lyrics and ideas in music can actually get deeper into your head. Fooling around with occultic things yeah, like Ouija boards and, and Ouija boards and yeah. those going to see witches tarot and card wizards, reading. tarot cards, going to get your palm red seems harmless, yep. not harmless. Nope. It's opening you up to further um, meetings, to further... Uh, experiences with the occult and the occult is real those who are in the occult listening to this and there'll be some who are in it listening to it right now know what I'm saying is the truth the occult is real the demons are real yep. I've seen them at work for myself so you're full with that sort of stuff and the other thing is if you if you have sexual relations with someone who's into the occult I've found that to be a very I've seen that firsthand, not myself but with two of my youth and wow. what happened there and it's quite an amazing story that um where I went around to visit them, and the girl had actually, just a little wisp of a thing, had been fooling with the occult. Um, they'd gone to bed that night, and in the middle of the night, she'd beaten him up. And that's not possible. Mm. But she got entered by a demon, and it was very scary. And you can, whenever you get into the presence of demons, you, you, can, you can feel the hair go on the back of your neck. Now, we're going to look at more of this in the Bible study in a minute, Hunty. The power of God over the power of demons. But I want to say this. If you're into the occult right now, get out. Mm. Escape it. Don't muck around with it. Don't fool with it. Get rid of it out of your life. And how would someone do that, mate? I'm going to tell you. Cool. And if, you are, if you're a parent, don't let your kids get anywhere near this stuff. It's yeah. not just Halloween. It's movies. It's, it's music. The, the cult is all through the music. We're going to look at that again in the next couple of weeks too, Auntie. Good. It is everywhere. Keep your kids away from it. It's dangerous. If you're in the occult and you can't get out and you don't know what to do, Pray in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I always say Jesus of Nazareth to establish who it is you're talking to. Yep. And it's as simple as saying, here I am, Jesus of Nazareth, and I'm in trouble. Come and save me. Yep. And you pray that prayer. Yep. He will come. Instantly. He will save you. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. If I had time, I'd tell you a story that I might have told before <laughs> on radio. Tell it I again. Went, oh, I'll, I'll give you a very quick version. Yeah, tell it. I'm in Papua New Guinea. I'm up the front. I'm preaching one of those great big outdoor revival evangelistic yep. programs we have there. I'm in a place called Lay, a place you've yep. been to many times, yep. Auntie, on some great big Aussie rules fields. And there might have been... Actually, got to turn that around. I wasn't in Lay. I was in the other place, Mount Hagen. Groker Hagen, yeah. Mount Hagen. Thousands of people there, and I got up the front, and I took Satan on. And I said, because... The occult is big time up there in PNG. Sure is. You know that, Hunty. We've shared yes. a, a few stories. Big, big time. And I actually said, um, Satan, and I addressed him. I wouldn't do this again. I'm not addressing him now. I'm just telling you the story. Yep. I said, Satan, you're a loser, uh, and you know you've got it coming. In other words, God's going to come and get you. Yep. Now, this is a place witch doctors, the occult, demons. Yep. We're having stuff going on up there all the time, yep. which are supernatural. That night I went to bed, woke up at about four in the morning with some hands, you know, I've shared this before, around my neck, throttling me. 
And I prayed in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Couldn't pray out loud. That's me banging the mic, by the way. Uh, couldn't, pray, couldn't pray out loud. All I could do is cry out of my name, Jesus of Nazareth, save me. Bang. Instant, instant, instant relief. This, this is my big encounter with the occult. The demon kept coming at me. For a few years, it's okay. I learned the power of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a churchgoer. You don't even have to be a Christian to call on the name of Jesus Christ. Because whoever you are, you are his son. You are his daughter. He will come. That's a guarantee. Mm. You don't have to say his name audibly. You can cry it out in your mind. Jesus is a mind reader. He made you. He created you. You are his son. You are his daughter. When you cry out to him for help against the demons, he will come. And was about to see when Jesus comes, let me tell you, between Satan and God, that contest is a no contest. There is only one who is most all-powerful, and that is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I chose this song, Hunty Love Lifted Me, Mm -hmm. because I think the difference between the occult and Jesus is love. And this is Kenny Rogers, one of my more favourite singers, singing this beautiful song about Jesus. Love came when Jesus visited me, and it lifted me. And if you're in the occult, it's the love of Jesus above all else with his power that'll get you out. A simple song Get the whole world to sing along I'll call it A love song For you Who knows I'm liable To take a song From the Bible And then when I'm through I'll just sing love
how much um, Jesus does love us and the animosity and the ferocity of Satan it is a beautiful contradiction between the two isn't it Mm. and if there's ever reason to escape from the occult it's the love of Jesus for you and the animosity and the anger and the hatred of Satan and so if you're into the occult get out. Now I want to show you the difference between the power of Christ and the power of Satan in the occult. First thing I want to say is Hunty as we do this Bible study. We're going to go to First Kings eighteen. Yep. First thing I want to say is this Jesus is more powerful than the devil. Mm. Always has been, is right now, and always will be. Yep. As I said before, you can rely on him, he will come to help you. This is a story that's some three thousand years old. And it's of a man by the name of Elijah who was a prophet of God. And it's a direct confrontation between God and the demons of the occult. We were there. We we were there, Hunter. You remember? Yeah. Oh, they were good times getting to trip through the Middle East. We went there and we went up on top of this mountain and we saw where this occurred. It was quite amazing. And what you have is uh, Elijah. Calling, and he was the prophet of the time of God. He was a powerful, in your face, mm-hmm. take anybody on prophet. He was no muck around man. He had no fear. Well, until this incident, actually. He, and that's another story, too. He had no fear. He had no fear of darkness. He had no fear of the demons that were at the time possessing and inhabiting Israel. What had happened was they had a wicked king called Ahab and he had married a wife called Jezebel who was into the occult. And so he had literally thrown God out of the temple in Jerusalem, had thrown him out of Israel and he had brought these demon priests with their occultic worship in. Now, I'm, I'm here to tell you again, the occult is real. Demons are real. Amazing supernatural things happen to people when they're into the occult. Yep. Um, demons do amazing things. I, I could tell you, and we don't have time today, story after story of amazing, powerful things demons do to people. I mean, when, very quickly, Hunty. Mm. I was in Papua New Guinea. I was talking to a guy who had escaped the occult, who had escaped from the witch doctor, who had escaped the demons in his village. And he was telling me how uh, um, the witch doctor had been upset and had gone down to the water and had turned into a crocodile and attacked him. Attacked the man who'd made the decision to follow God. Showed me the scars. Then turned back into a, a human being. Well, what's going on there? Well, there's some shape-shifting going from the man. No, probably not. Attacked by a demon. Mm. Calls on the name of Jesus Christ and wins a great victory. But you go up there to Papua New Guinea, where I've been working, you're never going to come back and say there's no such thing as demons in the cult. Here in Australia, they're a little bit more slippery. 
they're a little bit more seductive. They're a bit more selective in the way they reveal themselves. They come in what they would probably call a more sophisticated manner. It's going to come in yeah. through your movies and your music and your festivals like Halloween. Well, I want to show you here what happens when Elijah, one of God's prophets, goes up against these 400 demon pagan priests of Ahab's and Jezebel's. Uh, absolutely. One of my favourite stories in the Bible, this one. So they're on the mountain. All of Israel is there. Okay, you got the scene? I got so the scene. There's hundreds of thousands of people there. Yep. And they're going to have a test to see who is the real God. Who, Because all the, the Israelites yep. knew and they had seen the power of the occult of the demons. They hadn't seen the power of God. Well, today... They're going to see it. And God sets up, uh, through Elijah, sets up a test. It's, it's, a, it's a God shootout. <laughs> it is a God shootout. It is. Two altars. Yep. And here's the deal. The one who gets fire come down on their altar, yep. that's the one who is God. Yep. But this is some story. We can only look at it briefly, but let's get into it, Hunty. Verse sure. 22. If you've got your Bibles, First Kings 18, where are you reading from? Um, NLT, okay. which is the New Living Translation. Yep. yep. Then Elijah said to them... So he's talking to the demonic priests and to and Israel. Of the, and of the huge crowd that yep. had gathered, yep. I'm the only prophet of the Lord who has left, but Baal... That's uh, the occultic pagan god. god. Yep. Baal was actually a fire god who demanded human sacrifice, usually little babies. And so this is a vicious demonic mm. god. Mm. Yep, go. So, um, I'm the only prophet of the Lord who has left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Now, here's the deal. Now, bring two bulls, the prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish, and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of their altar, but without setting fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood on the altar, but not set fire to it. Then call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. Yeah, don't you feel the, the, the hair tension. on the back of your neck? Yep. Coming up here, this is oh. this is some confrontation. And here's the rules of the engagement: yep. the God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God, and all the people agreed. Pretty simple contest here. Yep, it's a contest of power. Now, my question is, Hunty. Yep. Before we even go into it, could the pagan gods of Baal have brought fire down on that altar? Well, I've got a very, I've got a very. Uh, strong answer to this, and I believe, yes, they do possess the power, but not for a second... Don't qualify the answer, just answer the question. I believe they, they could easily have set fire to the barbecue. <laughs> the barbecue. There's a, a lot of stake on that, on that uh, it's, altar. It's a genuine sacrifice. Sacrifice, yeah. We, we can look into why they used to yeah. sacrifice on God's side sometime. Yes, that's the answer I'm after. Yes. I don't want you to qualify no. it because I think the story qualifies. Sure. Yes, 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 yes. yes. They, they could, could easily have done it. Were they expecting to do it? Those, of course. Of course. They're confident. They had their 100,000 supporters cheering. They've had They their, thought it was going to be a massacre. These guys are in contact with the demons. Yep. They're talking to the demons. Yep. They're seeing the supernatural acts of the demons. This is a non-event. Yep. For their demon gods to bring fire down on the altar. Yep. What happens? So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime. They're praying to the demons. They're praying to them. Then shouting, O Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced, hobbling around the altar they had made. About noontime, Elijah... Sounds, sounds a bit like, sounds a bit like uh, that festival you went to, the yeah. Halloween festival yeah. in, in L.A. They're yeah. dancing, dancing around, hobbling, yeah, okay. beseeching their gods to set now, fire to Now, hold on, because this is going to get hot there. I love this bit. Yep. 
So about noontime, Elijah began mocking them. Oh, this is my favourite part. Of course it is. Of course it is. (laughs) (laughs) You'll have to shout louder. He scoffed. For surely he is a god. Perhaps he's daydreaming. Or perhaps he's relieving himself. Yeah, he's actually actually saying, what, has your god gone to the toilet? He's taking a toilet break, yep. Yeah, have have they forgotten you? Dude. Are they listening to you? Where are they? And, and of course, these pagan priests, I want you to remember this. They're oh, expecting yeah. this to happen. Yep. They know it can happen. They're totally, completely perplexed. Yep. They're confused. What is happening? Our gods are nowhere. They're not coming to us. They're not hearing us. They're not listening to us. They're letting us down in front of Israel. Oh, well, there's, there's more. Yeah, so yeah. Let me recap. Elijah's mocking them. He continues, maybe he's away on a trip or is asleep and needs to be wakened. So they shouted louder, and following their normal custom, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. They raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice, but still there was no sound, no reply, and no response. I like that. I love it. No sound. Yep. No reply. Yep. No response. Now here's the deal, and I want our listeners to get this: if you're immersed in the occult. And you call on God. This is how powerful he is. Yep. There will be no sound from the demons. Yep. There will be no, no reply, reply from the demons. There will be no, no response. response. When Jesus comes, and we see it in the Bible over and over and over, the demons have to leave. Yep. I'm going to share another story next week, Hunty, about Paul the Apostle. Cool. When he comes in contact with the demons. Man, those things are with Paul, with Jesus in him, and he's guys full of Paul, full of the Holy Spirit. There was, a, again, a, a no contest. Every single time in the Bible, Andrew, that the occult comes head-to-head with Jesus, guess who wins? Of course. Or with God. Jesus is God. Of course, Jesus. Yeah, God. Yeah. Every single time. There's not one incident where the demons win. Not one. When you call on God, you're calling on a God who's got a 100% success rate. The demons will tell you you're caught in this, you can't get out of this, there's nowhere you can go. That's not true. There's always an escape. When you call on the name of Jesus, now look what happens. It's Elijah's turn. They've gone all day. You know, there's another, there's another translation I read that, that actually, whilst Elijah was mocking them, he said, get some water. And they poured water all over his altar and his sacrifice. No, 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 okay. This is what happens Let me continue now. on verse 38. Yeah, you're just not up to that part ah, okay. of the story. No, all right. <laughs> so no, immediately no. the fire of the Lord flashed down oh, wait, from wait, heaven. Wait, wait, what happened? So now it's Elijah's turn. And you hit the nail on the head. What did he do? Well, Elijah he, said, go and get... Go and get buckets of water and completely drench my altar. Put a trench around it to yep. start off with. Yep, to make sure that no trickery in. Do you remember no how far the sea was away from that mountain? I looked from the top of the Mount mountain Carmel. to the sea. That'd it's, be a good few hours on horse and cart. It's Mount Carmel, um, which is, I think as I remember rightly, somewhere between Nazareth and Caesarea, but on the coast. I reckon they must have gone to a river. That was my Ah, good, because there's no way you'd get to the coast and so back. He, Elijah doesn't want the... There's, there's no fool around here. Dig yep. a channel. Yep. Dig a tunnel around yep. this. Fill it full of water. And then I'm going to pray to my God. So he prays to his God. It's a beautiful prayer. He prays in the name of God. He prays the power of God. And he asks for God to show the people who is God and who is the most powerful. Now what? look what happens. Yeah, verse 38. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up a young bull, the wood, the stones, <laughs> and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. Is there a doubt? No. Strike one. <laughs> one nil. God, pagans, nothing. 100 nil. 1,000 nil. nil. A billion nil. There's no contest here. 
Not only does it burn the sacrifice, it burns the altar. Rock, I don't know how hot the fire's got to be to burn rock. <laughs> yeah. It burns, it burns the rock, the stones, the wood, the dust. Mm. It even licked up the water in, in the, the trench. trench. There's, I mean, it's just a, this is like a nuclear explosion, but, you know, in a very small space, kaboom! Yes. And yes. it's all gone. Nothing is left. What's the response of the people? It's so cool. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, He is God. Yes, the Lord is God. He is God. Love it. As I've been saying, he is the powerful one. And if you call on him, he will, he will come. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hunty, Mm. in the next few weeks we're going to see how the occult will continue to grow in power and authority on the earth before Jesus comes. Cool. But Jesus not only will come and rescue you now, He's soon going to come and rescue the world. And that's what this next song is. Beautiful song by Ernie Hassan's signature sound. This could be the dawning of the day. It's talking about the day Jesus does come. And when he does come, I can tell you right now, forever, that's the end of Satan, the occult, and his dark supernatural powers at work in human beings. I hope you enjoy this song. Time they're marching 
Jesus is coming, and he's going to come with power and authority. Now I'm going to talk to uh, Harold Harker. He's a regular guest of ours. Are you there, Harold? Hi there, Lloyd, yes. How are you today? Oh, doing fine. I've been listening to your program, and it's been wonderful. Yeah, it's always interesting when you get into these areas. Um we haven't finished yet either. We're going to continue on for another few weeks. We're going to talk great. about the Anabaptists today who are a sensational group of people. I really do identify with these guys, and so thank you for coming on. Um, where did the Anabaptists come from? Well, you've got to remember the religious, um, where, it were, where it was in the early 15th, 16th century, until Luther came, it was virtually a mono a theistic religion. One was in charge. But once Luther started it, it started to break up and with the Renaissance they started to think for themselves a bit more and so they came from the early uh, 1500s and the religious pluralism of Europe. Okay, so so you had the one religion, the Catholic Church and then yep. the Reformation starts to light up. you got Luther, Zwingli yep. and others who yep. begin to challenge Catholicism and their authority in Europe. And yep. these guys, the Anabaptists, they rose around about the same time of Luther and Zwingli and the rest of those tremendous Protestant reformers. Sure, that's right. Did they have anything in common with Luther and Zwingli? And when we say Zwingli, yes. if you, most people know who Luther is. If you weren't with us last week, Zwingli was a great... A bold, a courageous, a very fierce Protestant reformer from Switzerland lived about the same time as Luther. Thanks, Harold. Yeah, they were born about the same time. Luther in Germany, Zwingli in Switzerland. Now, did, did these Anabaptists have anything in common with these guys? They sure did. They put the primary emphasis on the Holy Scriptures. That was their authority. Okay. Um, do they have any differences? Yes, they did. They had some differences um, because the Lutheran Church and Zwingli's Church hadn't moved totally out of where they were, and this group said there's no place for images in churches. So was it just and really the baptism? And God asked for a tithe or a tenth of your income, and so the others weren't pushing that, but this group thought this is what the Bible say. So they were, they were it was that, so what, what you're saying is they paid their tithes, or 10% of their income, they they believed in baptism by immersion, is that correct? Yes, they did, because they said that was scriptural, and they believed in the Bible. And, well, they were just taking the Protestant Reformation further. That's right, and Zwingli and Luther weren't ready to go that far at that stage. Did they clash? Yes, they did. They had some disputes, and you'll find, if I take you down to the the great time when there was the Diet of Spire, yep. and the Lutheran princes said, we protest, and that's where the word Protestant came from, but the same diet that gave the Lutheran princes the uh, opportunity to live their religion Lutheran, they also said death to the Anabaptists. Which was amazing. I find that amazing. Because these are Protestants, and when you say the Diet of Spire, that's like the meeting in Spire, is that correct? There was... That, that was the big meeting of the religion of the time, yes, inspired. Well, the Protestants were there. Um, was, yes. it, was it primarily the Protestants there? 
No, they, they were Catholic um, princes as well, but the Lutheran princes, they formed and they said, we protest on this. And that's when they got a little bit of authority of their own. So did these, let's go and look at Zwingli for a moment. Did they clash with Zwingli the Anabaptists? Because I, like Zing- yes. I like Zwingli. Um, yes, they did. Because they came to Zwingli and they said, look, the Bible teaches this. He said, hold on, we're just uh, talking about the Bible and justification now. Let's wait for that for another time. And they said, no, this is what the Bible says. And Zwingli didn't want to go further in any reforms from Scripture. Do you think Zwingli or the Anabaptists were right in that? I think the Anabaptists followed the Scriptures more than Zwingli did at that time. Okay, they're accused of being anarchist, which which what is lawless. Was there any truth to that? Uh, no, but you've got to remember at that time, the combined authority of church and state ruled. And if you're a Lutheran, even a Protestant, then the Protestant church and state ruled. And mm. in fact, if the prince was a Lutheran, all should be Lutheran in his kingdom. If the prince was a Catholic, they should all be Catholic. Okay. And because these had individual thought and uh, they didn't support that, mm. then that's seen against the law and against the state. Okay. All right. So they weren't really anarchists. That, that, that's, that's an unfair accusation, isn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the key doctrinal features of this movement was baptism by immersion. Now, yes. when I say immersion, that means what, Harold? It means baptizing in the water. If you read uh, Jesus and his baptism, he was put down in the water and he came out of the water. So totally immersed. Very totally immersed. That's why we talk baptism by immersion. And uh, Jesus was our example in that. And they said, we follow Jesus. So they were baptizing by immersion, but... The Lutherans and Zwingli's followers were still baptizing babies. That's right. That's okay. Correct. Well, they certainly had moved on from them, hadn't they? And they were correct because, as you said, the Bible stands very clearly behind the Anabaptists in this. Um, just briefly share with us some of the things the Anabaptists stand for. Okay. Well, they identified with Jesus and the Bible as the ultimate authority for Christian practice. Good. So they wanted to be disciples of Jesus. Yep. They believed that in Jesus, he brought the power to obey. And so new life came from Jesus. And the witness to go into all the world, as Jesus said in Matthew, mm. they were missionaries like that as well. And... Just like the first Church of Acts, they put all their things together. There was almost a community, and they supported each other. And uh, so they. So, so what you're saying? They're, the, they're, they're almost like the early Christian church was putting all their right. their houses yep. and farms and land together and yep. helping each other with the finances from the sales of those. That's what they were doing too. That's right. They were, and as well as that, they had a belief of the apocalyptic end of the world, that God was judging it, and they wanted Jesus to come and set up his eternal kingdom. Okay, um, was it primarily in Switzerland that the Anabaptists were? No, there were a few, four streams of them, actually. Yep. There was the German stream, there was the Switzerland stream, Germany and the southern Bohemia, to Prague, yep. and there was a bunch of them up in the Netherlands. Okay. So you had 
all different groups of Anabaptists. Were they being persecuted all the time? Oh, sure, they were. And uh, when they caught them, in fact, you know, the Anabaptists never built churches mm. because all their leaders, as soon as someone was a leader and started preaching, they were nabbed and they were tortured and they were killed. And so they were kept having to get new leaders, and so they never established like a community that lasted for. They just had new members, but no continuing leadership like the other churches did. Was it the Catholic Church or the Protestant Church or both that were martyring them? Well, mainly it was the Protestant churches, although the Catholics hated them as well. Okay, so so really, this is an unusual sort of a. Uh, a situation where you've got the Protestants really persecuting fellow Protestants. That's right. That's true. Tell me today, what groups descended from the Anabaptists? Well, you have the Brethren, you have the Mennonites, the Amish over in America, the Moravians, and uh, even the Seventh-day Adventists. You know, we have a lot in common, putting the Bible first, putting Jesus first, following the Bible. And uh, so we would say we are one of their descendants. Did the Anabaptists go as far as to keep the Sabbath? There were Seventh-day Anabaptists, yes. The whole group didn't, but there were quite a significant number who did. In fact, at one stage, up to 10% of that part of Europe were Anabaptists. They had quite a following because they were preaching the Bible. And, of course, the problem is when you become an Anabaptist like the Anabaptist pastors, you come under persecution too. That's right. Tell us about the Witch's Tower. Well, the Witch's Tower was used as a prison. It was in Zurich. It's not far from the Gross Munster, which was the great church of Zwingli, mm-hmm. about 250 metres away. Oh, okay. And... In 1526, 21 Anabaptists were incarcerated there, including seven women. Mm-hmm. And Felix Manns, who was an early leader, he delivered them by forcing the doors, soaring through a beam, and letting them down one by one to rope, and they got outside. But it was a prison particularly used for the Anabaptists. Um, you talk about <laughs> they lived in they lived in adventurous times, dangerous times. You're talking about oh. Felix Manns. He would it be fair to say he was one of the main, if not the main, leader of the Anabaptists at the time? Well, there were a number of leaders. He was one of them, and uh, there were other guys who were also leaders there. There was Hans Hut, who became the leader of the Hutterites, another Anabaptist group. Yep. There was Melchior. Uh, a number of them, but Mance was one of the first ones who was opposed by Zwingli. Do we know much about him? We don't know a lot about him except he, he was pushing the Bible, let's do this, let's follow the Bible, until they finally grabbed him. And, uh, you know, because they believed in baptism, some of them, they said, we'll baptise you, and they dumped them under the water, and again, and we'll put you under for good, so you'll be baptised. Others, like Felix Mance, he was grabbed and his hands were tied with his feet behind his back and he was pushed off into the river, the Limat River there in, in Zurich. And you can go today and see a plaque on the side of that river that says at this point, 
Felix Mance and five of their Anabaptists were drowned from the fishing platform oh, so in he, the middle of the river. So he died. He died, but he would have been tortured before. Who was the last Anabaptist ex- executed? When did this torture, this oppression, this persecution finish? Well, from 1526 on, we went for nearly 100 years. The last guy was Han Landis, and that was the year 1614. So it went for about 90 years. Do these Anabaptists, and I'm just asking this question now off the top of my head, do they have anything to do with the Pilgrim Fathers who went to America? Well, the Pilgrim Fathers would have taken their view of the Bible and they mm. would see that uh, the, the state wasn't the ruling one. Mm. God was in charge. Do you, as we conclude this little story on the Anabaptists, do you think today they have a legacy? And if so, what? Oh, sure. Just like Luther had the great legacy of justification by faith, these Anabaptists took that, accepted it, but then went further and said the Bible, just as Luther had said, is the ultimate authority. And then they looked at it and they found baptism, the power of Christ, Mm. uh, the time to go and be missionaries. So they took the Bible literally and they lived it. They lived great lives and they paid for it often with their life. Well, thank you, Harold, for another amazing story. I think we're going to look at another fellow next week who is a very interesting man too, but that's for another time. I think, I think as I look at this and listen to you, it is the Anabaptists that best define and describe where I as a Christian would be today. And so I see in them my lineage. Maybe we are their legacy too, Harold. Well, I see them as the greatest example of following the Bible that we've had. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. Sure. God bless you, Lloyd. See ya. Bye. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. We praise the Lord for people like the Anabaptists, and this next song from the Imperials, it's saying just that. That shatters all your dreams And your hopes have been cruelly crushed By Satan's manifested scheme And you feel the urge within you To submit to earthly fears Don't let the faith you're standing in Seem to disappear
powerful song. Man, that's one of my favourites. Praise the Lord. Okay. Time for Ask the Aussie Pastor. Now, it's definitely too late for you to send any questions today, but we'd love to hear from you, especially for next week. So if you'd like to text us or email us, here you can do it. 0488880851. Or you can email them to us, theaussiepastor at gmail.com. All right, let's get into it. First question from our regular faithful listener, Rachel, and she would like to know, when I sin, I ask for forgiveness and know that I'm forgiven, but... I struggle with guilt and disappointment in myself. I know I'll always be a sinner and perhaps feeling the guilt is God working in me. Can you offer any words of wisdom or practical applications to help manage guilt? Thanks in advance. I can, because I've experienced that myself. Yeah, I reckon, me too. I reckon, we we, all, I reckon we all do. Yeah, Christians do. When you sin and you fall, one of the ramifications of that afterwards is you start to feel guilt. And that, guilt's not always a bad thing, hunty. No, it motivates change. Yeah, guilt has helped me to, <laughs> and the shame. Yes. And, uh, but I've done some awful things and had good reason to be really guilty. You know, look, I've got a simple answer to this, Rachel. When yep. you start to feel like that, um, and when I start to feel like that, let's say, say, what do I do when I start to feel like that? And, you know, it's multiplied when you're a pastor and you do something stupid, something that's wrong. Satan can really revisit you. Sometimes mm. it's God who visits you with the guilt. But if you're already convicted, if you're already convicted, if you've already repented like it sounds you have, Rachel, then it's not God visiting you, it's Satan. And it's a simple thing. When he does this, stop looking at your sin, stop looking at how you fell, and start looking at Jesus. That's for sure. That's not a cliche. And that is one of Satan's great lies and great temptations. He wants you to sit in the guilt and not believe you've been he does. saved he, by he, grace. He wants to keep visiting you yep. time after time. Now, look, time after time after time with that sin. Now, Hunty, I have done some pretty stupid things, even since I've been a pastor. Awful things. And I can sit and I can dwell on that stuff and it causes me enormous damage because mm. what I did was so stupid. Yep. But when I look at Jesus, I see someone who took my sin. I see someone who's forgiven me of my sin. Yep. I see someone who's paid the price for my sin. And so when the devil comes to me, I just say to Jesus, I don't talk to the devil, see? I just say to Jesus, he's got to talk to you because I gave you my sin and now belongs to you. It's yours, not mine. And, and I just look at Jesus. I hope this helps. I look at Jesus. I spend time with Jesus. I read about Jesus. I go to Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. I spend time with Jesus in his life. I just find supernaturally again that the guilt dissipates, disappears, as long, as long as I'm looking at Jesus. Yep. Uh, I mean, I talk many times about my own worship experiences where I sing when I'm when in worship. I, I mean, if you're, if you're really struggling, one of the things you can do, not just read the Bible and not just pray, but sing some praises to God. Uh, the, demons can't hang around when you're singing praises to God, when you're in the Bible, when you're in prayer, because you're looking at Jesus. So I would just say, look to Jesus, look to Jesus, look to Jesus. And I hope that's not a cliche when I say that. Look mm. to Jesus. Absolutely. That's the answer. All right, this next question is from our mate over in WA from David. He wants to know, how do host angels and fallen angels live for a long time, if not immortal like God? And that's from First Timothy. Well, at the moment they are immortal. And what I mean by that is they don't die. Right, um, they're in a different, they're a different paradigm. They're in a different world than human beings. Um, they will die. Uh, Jesus will destroy them, and that's another story we need to look at, Hunty. Uh, 
Mm. how Jesus will come and they will burn, they will die. So they're not immortal in the sense of eternity, but at the moment they don't die. And so angels, whether they're righteous good angels or whether they're demonic angels, at this time are immortal. But I say that in the sense of, yes, Yes. the demon, the dark angels, their day's coming, but it's not yet. So they're not going to die a natural death like we do. People say to me, well, why do we and they don't? Sometimes those sorts of questions have to be asked to God, but for some reason they're in a different paradigm. Um, But it's interesting to me that whether it's the demonic dark angels, who were once angels of light before they fell, or whether it's us, if you sin, eventually at some stage or another, in God's time and God's way, you will die. Hmm. Um, the Bible says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So do you think murderers should be executed by the state? No. No. Interesting. I think God gives life and only God should take it away. So an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, what does that mean? It's an Old Testament um, passage yep. where it talks about if you have done something that's hurt somebody else, then there needs to be consequences. Got it. But do we take the consequences through to the place where we take life that belongs to God and only to God? My answer to that is no. On the back of the Ten Commandments, which say thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not kill. So I don't support the death penalty. I don't support the death penalty not because I don't think they deserve it. I think some of these guys, they participate in such horrendous crimes they more than deserve it hunty yes but it's not about that god gives life and only god can take it away so mm-hmm. no i don't i don't support um the state putting people to death and and on the other side of it they've been known to put people to death who are, they think mm-hmm. out later on yep. are innocent yeah, dna so proves errors a lot of reason not to be into that i'm not that's just my view um but i think it's probably the view of most most Adventist Christians, anyway. Yep. yep. All right. All right. Oh, this is the next question's right up your your current alley. I'm a Christian, but I choose not to go to church. Is that okay in your view? No. And you could say that you should go to church. Agreed. Uh, I've been talking about this lately, actually. Maybe why it's come up. I've been talking about how in in the world we live in, there is such horrendous stuff going on, Hunty. It's become such an antichrist world that's bruising and battering those who claim Christ and want to follow Christ. You want to follow Jesus, Satan will make you, a, you'll be his special attention. When you go to church, look, there's a few things you can do to be in the presence of Jesus. Prayer. Now mm. we do that hunting, you know, yep. and I know how powerful that is. The daily Bible study. How wonderful is that when yep. you're actually into it? Yep. And how, how weak you are when you're not into it. True. Right? Because prayer and Bible study, you're in the presence of Jesus. Same with church. But the church is a little different because when I do my Bible study, sometimes my wife's beside me in bed because I do mine when I wake up hunting. Yep. But, Sometimes she's not. She gets up early. It's a singular, very personal, intimate thing between me and God. At church, it's quite the opposite. I'm with you, hunty, yep. my mate. I'm with 150, 150 uh, people who attend my church. We only got a little church, beautiful church. So. Mm. And by the way, if you want to come to church, oh, experience yes, please. it. Come any time. Come this Saturday, 10 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, any time. Force down your place, Quakers Hill, behind the alley. <laughs> I wasn't asking for that. <laughs> but, but the point is, when you go to church, you're with other believers who are going through exactly what you are and sometimes more. They will encourage you. They will lift you up. And together, there's something really, really powerful in this. You'll be worshipping together, not individually. 
But you'll be working, you'll be worshipping together Jesus Christ and it's an intimate yet powerful and very public experience and it is beautiful, Hunty. There is nothing better than going to a good church full of the Holy Spirit to worship the Lord For Jesus sure. with other believers on the Sabbath. So, sure. so should you be going to church? Absolutely. I don't think it's possible to be a Christian and not be at church. Wow. Because I think that is so important to your experience with Christ. And if you don't do it, you're going to go over the edge. So if you just, been, just look, if you don't pray, you're yep. going to go over the edge. Yep. Why? Because you're not with Jesus, how He's asked us to be. True. If 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 you don't Bible study, you're going to go over the edge. You are you will not make it. Correct. Not because Bible study and prayer get you to heaven, but because they put you in contact with the one who's going to take you to heaven. Jesus feeds your spiritual and soul. And it's exactly the same with church. You need church. Every single person. I talk to Hunty. He doesn't have a busier day. Yeah. What do I encourage you to do a Sabbath school every week? Take time. Drop. Everything. everything. I've yeah. actually said to you, better we don't live stream. Now, yeah. I know you don't necessarily agree with that, but I've said to you, haven't I? Better we don't live stream because I want Hunty on his busiest day yeah. to experience, experience the, the joy of fellowship yes. with other believers. And yes. if you take that out of your experience, it leaves you very, very weak. And I don't know why it's just the way God designed it. People say, well, God didn't say you had to go. Yes, he does. Jesus says, forsake not. You're gathering together especially as the end of time comes upon us. That's kind of in my language. But that's what Jesus says. Yeah, should you be going to church? You bet you you should be, auntie. Big time. Does that make sense? It does. Thank you. So I've got one more question for you. Is that because we're out of time? Or? Yeah, can you, now have, have we, have, can you now introduce the last song? <laughs> Is that it? Absolutely. So there's no more? We're done. We're way done. Oh, I'm mm. sad about that. Oh, well. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, the last song. <laughs> <laughs> what a day. Beautiful song. Brian yep. Free and his group Assurance. Again, talking about the second coming. What a day that will be.
On this radio show, Hundy. Yeah. We're always going to have a lot of songs about the second coming of Jesus because I can't wait. Yep. Hey, by the way, that text that talks about forsake not your gathering together, getting to church. For yes, the yes. You know where it is? Where? Hebrews 10.25. Cool. Yeah, it's there. I like Straight Hebrews. Out. Hey, thank you for joining us today, wherever you are mm. around Australia. Love it that people all around Australia are listening to us. Keep listening, share with your friends. And I'm just going to say a prayer to close our program out today. Lord, you are good. You are powerful. So much more than any of those demons that harass and annoy and plague us. And I just want to pray, Lord, for our listeners. If any of them are struggling with the demons, that they'll go to you, that they'll look to you, that they'll call on you. And I know through faith and through the marvellous, mighty power of Jesus Christ, our God, that you will save. Thank you for hearing our prayer. Thanks for being with us today in the name of Jesus. Amen. My name's Lloyd Grollam and I'm Aussie Pastor. And my name's Hunty and I'm the Tech and we love you. But we know that God loves you so much much more. more. See ya. See ya. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 